1: welcome back to the first gen hunter podcast all you fellow first genners out there good to be talking to you again just had an excellent fall time weekend oh i know we haven't hit that autumnal equinox yet it's technically not fall but it feels a lot like it it started on friday morning when i was at work and i had to wear a sweatshirt for the first time of the the year here at hoxie and um It was just a beautiful golden morning, nice and crisp air, pheasant flying into our Indian grass field, Uh, raccoon was out later in the morning because of the cooler temperatures and and, uh, already did some dove hunting uh, the week before and uh, yeah, it just felt like fall and then we had this wonderful day of rain on Saturday, temperature didn't even crack 70, man enough to get a guy thinking about deer season and that's exactly where my mind has been that's where it been where my youtube channel has been as well i've been watching all kinds of hunting tv getting all geared up for deer season had a friend over from my church to shoot bows saturday morning uh to get ready for the season and uh yeah i'm just chomping at the bit right now to get out there and do some hunting so we've got a little bit of stand work to do but um uh other than that i'm you know just keep plugging away with the bow all through uh uh the remainder of this last these last few weeks of off season and then even this year i want to really try to be using my bow a lot during uh the season Still getting out, getting those practice reps in. And uh, this week, I also plan to take the bow out to a tree stand and uh, bring one of my targets out there and just fire a bunch of shots from the tree stand and, uh, you know, get that simulation of what I'm hoping to accomplish from the tree stand. And then, of course... um, also got to do some shooting with some bulkier gear on as uh, when we get to November and the temperatures are pretty chilly. You got to have that full insulation coat on and uh, that changes how things feel with your bow. And so uh, I need to get some of that practice in as well. But other than that, I'm just just waiting for the day to be October 1st. And I have wrote about this in an article recently. And I've had this conversation on this podcast over the years. How hard do you hit it in early October? And normally the advice is, oh, you got to lay off a little bit. And uh, in most cases, I totally agree and still hold that thought. However, on this, on our home farm here, uh, the standing corn is the biggest piece of habitat that deer have and once that goes down so does the deer population on the farm Uh, they just migrate to other places that have more standing cover whether that be another unpicked cornfield or more likely a timber lot that's bigger than what we have here. So I'm going to get after it really early this year. I think that uh, just gives me um, my best chances here on this farm. And so uh, it's kind of fun because uh, pretty hard to mess things up for later in the year here. Because our farm is mostly uh, an October farm. And then it becomes just a, a traveling corridor. And so uh, still got to hunt smart of course. But... I think I'm going to be able to get it after here pretty quick this year. And, uh, yeah, so I hope you're uh, excited wherever your neck of the woods is at. And uh, maybe you're even hunting already if you're in a place like where Brandon's is at. Your season's been open up since uh, the 1st. I believe uh, Wisconsin and Missouri open sometime around the 15th. and So uh, there's plenty of excitement in the deer woods. Well, in this episode, we talked to a, a guy who's a passionate hunter as well but uh, he would be good to consult on the uh, bulky insulation hunting gear uh, problem because that's what he works with. He works with hunting gear, hunting clothing to be specific. And uh, his gear ain't bulky because it's engineered to be as lightweight, uh, efficient, allow for the most amount of mobility. It for low hunting gear and uh, Forlo is a top of the line camouflage company for lack of a better term tactical apparel however you want to say it they make some clothing that makes it easier to be in the woods and uh, I actually bought a pair of the Forlo pants the Solaire's And uh, took them squirrel hunting, got a good uh, compliment from my buddy Weston on those. And uh, it was blazing hot when we went, we were sweating buckets. And I could definitely tell that my Solaire pants were helping me keep as cool as possible. It was a noticeable difference over uh, any other kind of hunting pants that I've worn previously. But Andy here is going to tell us all about the behind the scenes of Forlow and how it was created. And uh, he's going to even talk to us a little bit about his hunting experiences and even share with us a couple of really exciting hunting stories. One of which that involves a zombie deer. Yes, you heard that correctly. In fact, Andy's pretty lucky to not be injured. Because of this zombie deer, but uh, you'll have to wait until that comes up in the interview. We, as an Alex and I, really enjoyed this interview, and we are sure you will as well. When you're all done listening, though, don't forget to go check out the presenting sponsor of the First Gen Hunter Podcast, which would be good old Spartan Forge. Pay Bill a visit, tell him we sent you, and uh, go and download that app and bring that tool into the deer woods with you this year it gives you so much intel that makes you a better hunter and uh, who doesn't want to be one of those right we all want to be better hunters so make sure you go ahead get the app subscribe and uh, get that information on your side this deer season all right with that let's go ahead and roll into it here episode 95 here on the first gen hunter podcast thank you so much for tuning in There's a certain personality trait that we all come across, I would say, on a fairly regular basis, and, uh, you know, I work in the, I guess you'd say, the ag industry now, farming industry, Uh, not your typical farm. I work on a prairie farm, which, hey, here's a good plug, I host another podcast now as well called The Prairie Farm Podcast with my coworker and good friend, Nicholas Lirio, Look that up on all the places you get pocket. Probably the place where you're listening to this one right now. But uh, in that industry, you come across these people, I think, a little bit more often. Uh, The guy who just, I guess, kind of like scoffs at things a little bit, right? And uh, the example I'm thinking of is uh, I'm going to use organic peanut butter to describe what I'm talking about here. The saying would probably go something like this. Ha! Organic peanut butter? That's just a way to get people to pay more money for the same exact thing as regular peanut butter, right? Now, what does that have to do with our conversation tonight? Well, I was once, shamefully so, one of the scoffers. I was one of the people who scoffed at not only organic peanut butter, but all sorts of more premium grade whatever, right? And, uh, one of those things was premium or technical, uh, I guess we could say grade camouflage. I thought, ha, what's the difference? You know, I'm going to wear these $20 pants and, uh, they're going to function just fine with my $20 jacket and I'm going to go into the woods and I'm going to, you know, have the same success as the guy over there with the $120 pants, right? And then I bought some $120 pants. And I am no longer a scoffer. I am a believer, people. I am a proselyte of the premium manufactured. I don't even know what the right term is there. But uh, the technical grade camouflage. I went on, I started using some uh, last year uh, during deer season and uh, I actually bought a bunch of pairs of, of several different brands of, of uh, pants to wear to work when I was still teaching and there is a huge difference in wearing quality made uh, hunting clothing. Um, you're way more comfortable. You're controlling your scent is way uh, easier to do Um, When you do a really long, like, say, uh, bear hunt in uh, Montana where you have to wear your rain gear pretty much all day and you're sweating buckets and you never get to take a bath and uh, you somehow mysteriously don't reek when you get in your tent every night, that right there is the hard evidence to make me a believer. And we brought on a guy who... Is really a visionary within this industry that has like exploded over the last ten years, but he has forged kind of a new like side path here. It's been a lot of fun to follow along. I actually um, uh, the guy that we have on is Andy Techmanski of Forlow uh, Hunting Apparel. Hunting Apparel. And uh, Andy, I've actually been kind of uh, following Forlo since uh, the day, since day one. I remember, I, I believe we're linked up on LinkedIn, and I remember you posting the announcement, something like, "We're finally launching. The day is here." And it's just been kind of cool to see how the company's taken off over the last few years.
0: Yeah, that would have been July third of
1: uh, twenty twenty. Yeah. So.
0: Remember that day very well um, No things have been things have been good um, like any new brand initially you scoffers you know <laughs> uh, they kick, kick, kick the tires you know pretty hard um, and, and it's a hard industry to break into
1: mm. uh,
0: The path that we chose is to make everything hundred percent in the US not not just partially you know like cut and sew or something like that it's hundred percent sourced and manufactured in the u.s so you know we're, we're taking a path that, that no other really has yet
1: right that and that's exactly what i was getting at and we're going to dive into that deep but we need to get to know andy more first of all i want to say thank you andy for coming on the show i know you're a busy guy I just had to spend some time overseas here recently and i'm sure uh getting back into the you know regular routine of everything you're you're in the midst of that right now so very thankful for you uh loaning us some time and also we got alex on the line and alex we got to break the news to everybody you kind of like broke your achilles tendon man how you doing
2: yep i'm
1: sore (laughs) (laughs) yeah post-op alex so glad that did not happen while we were on the side of a mountain buddy even with even with the strength of edwin i don't know man that would have been a rough pack out.
2: I, I thought about that. I'm like, uh, I, 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 talked to the doc and I asked him, I said, you know, uh, let me know about any scar tissue or anything kind of post surgery. And he, he said, I did have scar tissue in there. So I'm very convinced that I'm sure I did some stuff along the way that hasn't been great, but I mean, I'm very thankful exactly to what you said that I wasn't packing out an animal and uh i rupture it on the side of a mountain because that would have been even worse
1: <laughs> oh man i didn't even think of that side of it yeah if you had a bear down man we can't really quarter Party. we can't really quarter you out so uh yeah that nope. would have been that would have been an interesting uh interesting trip but now glad you're uh glad you're out of surgery and surgery went well and hopefully uh uh you'll be back on your feet here as fast as possible and we'll dive into it more on a hunt therapy episode coming up i'm sure but thanks for joining us tonight um back to you andy though uh so pre forlo i i did a little homework before the before we started recording i believe you're working in the energy industry is that correct
0: yeah uh i'm actually a journeyman ibw uh lineman by trade oh really so, yeah went through the apprenticeship uh that paid for college and uh was in that industry still have projects kind of going uh, we still have a company going uh, over there um that's become now my side job to forlow. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you you still have probably years of sleep deprivation built up from uh doing that where you know power goes out at 1 a.m and get the call to have to go get it going again for everybody a lot of uh,
0: storm restoration, yeah, sleepless nights or yep. weeks.
1: Yep. Well, thank you for uh, serving your community there for with that role. I often think when we have those storms here in Iowa, we get these terrible ice storms that uh, just totally weigh down the lines and and uh, turn them into a tangled mess when they finally snap, and it's just like you know miles of damage. And I just think, man, am I glad for. <laughs> for the line the linesmen out there that get out and take care of that and even in the worst conditions. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh when you were when you were doing the lineman thing though, obviously you you were thinking in the back of your mind there's something else here that that drives me more. <laughs> and yeah. not that and I wanna kinda of camp out on this just for a second because I think when people look at you know wanting to work within their passion i think a lot of times they can be stuck in a miserable situation but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily was your your deal it was just like you like that more is that am i reading that right or were you yeah
0: well i mean hunting hunting has certainly been my passion my whole life um you know, and just like anyone else, you start a career and and you have less time to do what you're passionate about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm what I guess most would call a serial entrepreneur. So you know, I've got several businesses running at any given time. I grew up in that. Uh, I, you know, was a, a, a dry cleaner as a kid. You know, like a fourth generation, so literally <laughs> working in in a sweatshop when sewing buttons on and stuff when wow. I was like six, seven years old. Um, so kind of being an entrepreneur, looking through an entrepreneurial uh, lens has always been, uh, you know, in my my bag. Um, you know, I went into the power industry that started uh, a, a couple of businesses that became successful. Uh, and then the, the dream kind of came back alive. And I, I, like many, you know, back then, probably at this point, I got to keep changing the date because, you know, I keep doing these things and it's getting later and later. But, you know, seven or eight years ago, I started to conceptualize this business that became Forlow. And honestly, it was out of uh, frustration. Uh, mm. I hunt extremely hard um, in Montana, especially if you're elk hunting, especially if you're elk hunting during rut. The elk don't like to go on the trails so you (laughs) tend to have to bushwhack a lot if you want to have success with harvesting an animal and you know the the apparel I was wearing wasn't even making it through a season and so you know I this is me as a lineman and and you know time now I I own a company and have several crews working for me and we're outfitting these guys with workwear and stuff like that and and you know linemen are extremely hard on their their clothing and so this discussion was always in the the circles on the power line jobs and stuff you know of why why have hasn't like hunting and a general outdoor come out with stuff that works as good as it does for the line trade and that really started to kind of feed the fire um and then uh you know i fast forwarded uh to about 2000 17, 2018, it started to become even more real, and I started to see a hole in the industry where there was an opportunity. I I didn't quite understand at the time, you know, this is me as a consumer still, uh, why isn't anybody doing this in America? And why, you know, I'm I'm also a, a mountaineer, why is mountaineering still incrementally improving on technologies and durability standards that they're using, but that's not bleeding down to hunting? you know, fishing and all this, it felt like they had plateaued and, um, you know, they weren't accepting or integrating a lot of these newer technologies. They didn't have to, there was nobody there to challenge them. Mm. Um, so I hired a few very smart people, um, yeah, yeah. That knew this whole cut and sew, uh, fabric, you know, technology manufacturing side of the business and said, this is what I want to do. And uh, they got all jazzed up and I left the last kind of pillar of the company. I said, you know, first pillar is I want to build using only the latest technologies that are out there. Like no concessions. We are not going to use technologies from five, ten years ago and call them mm. something new and play that game. And then they got excited about that. And then I said, and, you know, we're going to build this thing or overbuild everything that we build so that it is the most durable you know, standard that it can possibly humanly be with today's technology. And then the third, of course, was make it in the U.S. And it was make it in the U.S. I had this room of of people that had a cumulative of about 150 years of of technical outdoor apparel manufacturing experience. And out of that, very little less than probably five percent of it was in the U.S. So they were like, "Ooh, uh, I don't know if we can do that. And so we set down a path to prove that it could be done. Hmm. I, I think I think we've done a pretty, pretty good job so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I definitely want to definitely want to focus on that hard here as the the conversation uh keeps moving along, but I have a few questions for you too along the way. Uh first of all, did uh your button sewing skills have you have those ever come in handy while out in the field?
0: Oh man, I, I can sew a hem. I can do it all. It's, it wasn't just buttons (laughs) that that they had me doing at the dry cleaners. So yeah, yeah, I am, I am like the, uh, the field, uh, or seamstress, call it what you will. And I look, they, they only give me prototypes to play with. So I'm like re-sewing stuff constantly, you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times we go on hunts with, with people and they don't get their stuff until that day, you know? We sure. try to we try to get it out now we're we're better when we started we just you know we were moving so fast um we couldn't and so I was doing a lot of uh field hemming and stuff so i'm not afraid i'm yeah. afraid of a needle
1: yeah that's that's good <laughs> that's awesome well the the other thing I was kind of thinking of within that is <clears throat> what what were some of the things so you said you spotted a hole, and we're going to talk about that with the, the made in America side of things. But what were what was something like every company, and we don't have to use specific names here or anything. We're focused on Forlo right now. but what what was something that like everybody was doing? Um,
0: I can tell you what they weren't doing. I mean, every, everybody, <laughs> what they were doing is the same thing as what they weren't doing is, is there's a lot of old technologies, you know, for example, waterproof breathable membranes it's always mm. something that is usually one of the first things that that somebody looks at when they're looking at a new brand like let yeah. me investigate you know that and there's a lot of brands out there that um are using you know the standard we'll say without calling out names in uh you know the standard hasn't been improved since like the 80s and, hmm. and where it started rub, this is still me, Andy Techmanski, consumer now being educated uh, by this group of, of consultants that I brought on. Uh, what really fed the, the, the fire to, to start for those, when I started learning that a lot of this technology had been around for decades and these companies just come out and spin a new name in the marketing department, hmm. call it something new, change the face fabric, still the same membrane from 1985 and and then s- try to sell it and pitch it to the consumer that this is the latest and greatest thing ever. And and I said, no, that, you know, and, and that now I'm starting to learn and, and we started to meet with technology companies and I'm learning there's stuff out there that's like light years ahead of what is being touted as the latest technology. And so... That was the, the proving ground and, and after we went through that series, not just on waterproof breathable membranes, but on scent control systems, on cooling, on heating, heat retention, all the technologies that we employ and, and what others were using, and saw you know time after time, they aren't using the latest stuff they aren't using why aren't they using the latest stuff you know and, yeah. it's, it, and so after that exercise, I immediately uh, founded Forlow said, yeah, there's a hole and this is the hole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. And you're right. I do the exact same thing as an uneducated, we'll say uh, consumer, you know, somebody who hasn't, hasn't sat down and, you know, poured over the data really. But I look for those base, you know, I look for those base things that, okay, you better have this, you better have this, you better have this. And uh, uh, so that is one thing that I have really appreciated uh, in my my time with Forlow, working with you guys, and um, I'm actually wearing a pair of the uh, Forlow Solaire pants right now. Uh, I think Alex has heard me go on and on about these pants already, but I could literally oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I could literally live <laughs> in these things, man. They, they are they are incredibly comfortable, and uh, they they stand up to everything you just said. Now, Alex, I want you to weigh in here for a second because you have more experience working with different uh, hunting clothing brands through the years. And again, we don't have to use any names here. But what are some of the changes that you've seen being a consumer of, you know, multiple companies uh, through your years, uh, even doing some, you know, pretty much guiding stuff that you've done when you were living out west and, um, you know, even just on your own hunts since?
2: Yeah, I well, I, I think Andy uh, he talked about the face fabrics. I think that's a big one, right? You you um, you look at like the membranes, and what I noticed was going from one we'll, we'll call it a premium brand, as you mentioned, but it was just super noisy. Mm. That was you know you you, you basically realize it's a, it's a laminate style of a, of a fabric, and it's going to do X Y Z to the wind out or rain or snow or whatever the case was but it's it's heavy and it crinkles and it makes noise and that turned me off pretty quick early on to like that style of clothing mm-hmm. somewhat you know i was like who's gonna who's gonna come up with something that's like quieter you know like i don't want to feel like i'm swooshing around the woods right yeah and, and, and it was heavy, you know, so you, you were kind of like weighing that of like, okay, well I'm, I'm back hunting. I don't want to have to shuttle around an extra 10 pounds of clothes, but that's kind of what it was, you know? Um, and then, then I started getting into more, you know, what's going to be the quieter fabric, what's going to be the lighter fabric, you know, and really start toying around with stuff. But, you know, to your point, I, I think, um, to, to me it's you know what find what works but is gonna last you know because to your point uh i am ai am a i'm i'm the snob on the other end of you uh, of you can yes i always go for the premium of everything because you yeah. are paying something
1: yeah.
2: and you know you realize that with glass you realize that with clothing and um you know i think i think to that point it's finding that balance what's so going to be the best durability you know i think camo's great i i'm more concerned with the fabric the the quality is it going to last me is it going to breathe i don't want to be sweating in the thing and is it is it going to balance in between like weight and durability well because that that's my teetering effect of like you are paying that high quality that should kind of replicate that and i i think i think andy's got that down from what i'm hearing and i'm excited to hear it new technology because i would agree i kind of feel like some of the membranes have been out for a while and the mountaineering group crushes it and i don't understand why we're always playing behind on it when Hmm. i know there's more stuff out there um i and i'm 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 excited about that so that's my
0: so you know in defense of of just about every brand out there there is only so much you can do we get questions all the time to your point everyone wants to be quiet um i want to be quiet that's certainly a pillar in the you know pinnacle mission of of our clothing um i can make stuff that is so quiet it's like you're wearing skin the problem is in a lot of cases especially in the three-layer membrane it's not going to be as durable as it needs to be to to withstand that season so You know there's a balance that goes on between the 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 face fabric the membrane and and whatever you choose as a liner fabric um that plays intricately into that role and i mean we played around with a lot of different stuff but knowing that you know i'm always going to be challenging our consumer to like go that extra mile bushwhack go through the nastiest stuff you know the 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 durability versus the quietness, that's something that we constantly, um, are trying to put in sync and, you know, to the defense of, of every outdoor brand, uh, in the world, essentially that's trying to do the same thing. There is just limitations of what technology can do, especially when there's a membrane. Now we're doing some, some things, uh, with the technology, um, like using perf weld, like a seamless, uh, sewn, uh, uh, construction. Uh, we're using different face fabrics than the industry standards, more nylon, we're, we're playing more with polyesters because they're just a little bit quieter. Um, we've found technologies like, um, our ultra suede, uh, which is super quiet. And now we're using that and implementing that and rub spots to get rid of the swoosh, you yeah. know? So it's, there's things you can do um to be quiet or as quiet as you possibly can um while maintaining that durability you know and so it's just these are these are an everyday conversation that with the product team on uh, various different styles um I probably spend two three hours a day on this topic
1: yeah that that's a that's a great thing to hit that and i'm I'm gonna actually kind of kind of go in that direction for a second here. While you're descri- describing that challenge, it made me think, you know, there's all these characteristics we want in our hunting gear, you know, durability, uh, um, quietness, like Alex mentioned, you know, it's got to be, it's got to handle, we'll just say handle moisture well, whether that means it breathes well, or it keeps you dry, or it dries quickly. Um, uh, even now, really, it's kind of become a standard is scent, you know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna smell like you haven't taken a bath in a week or two when uh, you're way in the back country and that's just not an option, or have washed your clothes or whatever. <clears throat> you know, there's there's that side of it. Um, there's the weight side of it. You know, if you're if you're hiking way in somewhere, every ounce counts. We all know that. So, what is it like? What is the hardest thing to nail down within all that, without sharing any trade secrets or anything like that?
0: Our philosophy is to make the whole system work together. And if you can do that, that would be the hardest thing. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at, oh, this is the, the best rain gear I have. Or this uh, base layer keeps me the warmest. Or, mm. you know, uh, I love this insulation because it's light. And, uh, you know, but to get all three of those layers Working together in sync—that is the hardest thing, you know. And so, again, you know, we lean on technology to do that, you know, so that you've got heat retention. while you've got hyper wicking. You've got a down layer that actually breathes first, mm. you know, and foremost because down doesn't normally breathe. So oh, yeah. that's why we leave. perf weld gaps between the baffles. Not only is that bomb proof, so you're not relying on a single needle um, constructed baffle. Um, But, you know, these are ultra frequency that bonds the fabric together. It actually promotes breathability, which then goes through to the outer shell that you're wearing. And then it's employing an outer shell that actually has air permeability and air permeability, in my opinion, is the most important aspect or uh, component of uh, of what a membrane should be. And a lot of people aren't really versed that well on it because most systems out there are um you know our our passive system versus an active system and what that means is they essentially have no air permeability it takes an atmosphere with inside that jacket which is you sweating you're mm-hmm. already you're that uh, you've already lost the battle because you're already sweating yeah it's too late yep. to before it can push anything through the membrane and when we started looking at that i said this this doesn't make any sense to me and we found a technology um, called pulse plasma which revolutionized we're the first brand in the world to use it it revolutionized the way that a uh ex- essentially the the magic of dwr treatment to uh ptfe membrane and you know it, it for me it was like an easy decision when we found this because the industry as a whole is still today using the same applications of dwr that were invented in world war ii
1: hmm. to go
0: on canvas wow. of just spray spray and heat treat it yeah you know and so it clogs any pore that you possibly had available for breathing in the first place and it's a, and only a surface treatment so it's only the face fabric and you guys know anything that that's been surface treated with dwr eventually starts yep. wearing off yep. right yeah.
1: Yep. And so
0: we, you know, we found, we found this technology. We actually treat the, the, the fabric twice. So we call it double pulse plasma and it goes into a shipping container size, uh, piece of machinery, the f- whole fabric um, uh, roll, And we essentially, we do it to the membrane first and we send the membrane out to get laminated. Three layer comes back and we do this again all three layers, and what it does is it, that that chamber closes and it sucks an atmosphere, which sucks the DWR through all three layers, hmm. and coats every fiber of the face fabric, of the membrane twice, and the whatever your inner or trico or fleece, whatever lining you have on the inside is, but leaves every because it's sucking it through the the fabric and PTFE that we use under microscope looks like Swiss cheese you now it's got a lot of breathability as it is, it doesn't clog any of that. And so you all of a sudden have air permeability because you haven't clogged. your. That's membrane. awesome. And you've got impregnated DWR that's not going to go anywhere forever. So yeah, this is the extra mile, you know, that, that we go
1: it's all part of that hole you spotted that's that'd be another thing yeah and that has been one of the most frustrating things to me Uh, that just happened that happened actually alex when uh, rasty and i pulled up in our truck at base camp and um it was dumping rain i don't remember how much it rained that night a couple inches probably (laughs) and i got i mean drenched through my rain jacket, I was wearing a yep. uh, uh, not a Forlow rain jacket. This was before I was uh, working with Forlow and I got like my the shirt I had under my rain jacket was absolutely soaked, and uh, re- of course because of what the climate was up there, it stayed soaked all week and uh, was wasn't useful to me. So yeah, that's a that's a huge component for me having that that water repellent that's gonna last and it's gonna get done what it says it's gonna do so
0: yeah but you know more more to what you were saying earlier too is is weight and and other technology implications uh, or applications i should say so you know to your point um uh, scent control is scent control you know everybody wants to measure what a raincoat weighs mm-hmm. but how many base layers do you have to take on that trip to Alaska? You know, where you're sweating your, your butt off every day. And that's, you know, if it's not, if it doesn't have the technology, you, you get a day, two days, and you're like, man, I, I stink more than what I'm hunting. Yeah. And so you, you got to pack more gear. And, you know, so to, to, to have something that is employed with Enough scent control that controls not only your odor but the odor around you. That was that was a big thing for us too. I never really understood it. Is like, yeah, I got I got the best antimicrobial technology, whatever. And and okay, so that's sweat stink and and sweat stink only per, predominantly. So what about all the other scents? What about you around the campfire? What about you know? You in yeah. the truck before you get out and, and all these foreign or, or external, you know, smells that can happen. And, and so it always kind of like it baffled me why, you know, yes, not smelling your sweat is important, but but there's so many other smells that can get you blown out from an animal. That's true. You
1: know.
0: Oh, yeah. So. If you if you have you know we use two technologies predominantly and in, and actually I'll, I'll tell you guys something that we don't really broadcast in a couple of our garments we have three scent control technologies, hmm. so in in our thermal neutral stuff which has Trizar, Trizar is was made by NASA. It's the technology that was on the tip of a of a spaceship that black cone that they painted. That was Trizar. We figured out a way to so that into fabric <laughs> and so it became the greatest heat retention technology in itself that but is awesome. Trizar also has activated carbon and it has zinc as part of its magical mm. and which are both antimicrobials. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So, so that you, we don't really advertise that because we, we you know we have so much technology especially in our base layers that if we t- if we if we tell you everything we're going to lose you. You know, we already we're already losing you. So you know like <laughs>
1: So dude, you know, I'm nerding out, that? man. I'm a former science teacher. This is awesome. Yeah,
0: okay. Well uh, you you get it. You I love you it. the other one percent. But <laughs> um you know, so we've got that and then we go, you know, I always tell people then we go a step further. So then we employed Polygene, which is an excellent uh antimicrobial. There's nothing better than it on the planet. So now you've got this zinc component. Of Trizar and Polygene, all in the two, we're the only brand in the world that has two antimicrobial technologies in one garment. And then we go a step further and use Odor Crunch, <laughs> which assimilates odor molecules into CO2. So that campfire smell that attached to your your fabric will assimilate. It starts attacking them and turns it into CO2, expels it from the fabric. So. That's you awesome. take these technologies out into the bush for a week two weeks whatever it is and you soon realize i don't need seven shirts i need three shirts you know so yep. where are you really saving weight you know
1: yeah yeah that's a that's a great way to say it you got to look at the overall cumulative effect of weight in your pack and it's not just down to boy this pair of pants weighs less than that pair of pants it's I only need that pair of pants. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's yeah, a great I, point.
2: I, I got a question for you, Andy. So you were talking about the the rain gear uh, that that piques my interest because I just I know with the rain gear, you know, you go bush, uh, you go busting through brush and whatnot, and obviously that can damage that layer, um, uh, you know, membrane or you know whatever layer it is. Obviously, you talk three layers, but with yours and having that that layering component where that DWR goes through it that has to change that game doesn't it where like it's not breaking down as quickly or at all
0: 100% yeah you're not reliant on the face fabric holding 100% of that DWR you know our our face fabric holds out of the the total component uh, roughly a third uh, the membrane Uh, is treated twice once as a membrane and once you know as a finished product so you know the majority of it is residing on the membrane but without remember without um, clogging pores so I mean that was when we learned about this technology and it was just launching and luckily it was just launching after we just kind of started to develop fabrics um, we said this is a perfect application for the bushwhacker you know I Mm. mean all day long. And, 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 I tell you what we've, besides me who wears basically head to toe four low 365. Um, I mean, we put these things on, on machines that just simulate bushwhacking in wet conditions. Like it's basically a shower with an abrasion, you know, and, and it's, it's unbelievable. You know, we haven't had anything foul yet because of this, you know, but then you put it in comparison with something that's just treated on the face fabric. And, it's a whole nother bargain you
2: know yeah. well and that, that saves money right you're, you're like you're paying for a premium product but then you're not going to have to go rebuy it because it yep. fails three
0: years down the, the road you know 100
1: that's all that's a great and it awesome. doesn't
0: fail when you need it that's that's more important
1: and you, yeah there's something i want to address right here too alex brings up a good point you know we're talking in this idea like everyone's waiting for us to to you know surprise this stuff is super you know unaffordable you can't buy it That's not the case. The price is absolutely on par with any other major brand but I would even say that it's it's more affordable than than most. Um, the price point is is very fair especially when you consider all of this that you're getting and so and the other thing I like too which I think is really smart. Uh, that you guys do, I believe, is you offer, like, buy this in four four payments, you know, Uh, pay it, pay for it in in four payments if you can't come up with a, and what I like about that is that speaks to, you know, our target audience here at First Gen Hunter. You might be talking to somebody who, they got to fork out not just money for good camo they got to buy a gun they got to buy you know a pack they got to buy a tent they got to buy you know the the dollars really start racking up for that person who's got to buy everything and so uh, the way you can you know take the edge off of that is you know spread it out between four different paychecks or something like that and and uh, i think that that was really smart that you guys did that but also it shows that um you're not just in this to you know Make money. All businesses are in it to make money, but that's not the only reason you guys are doing it. You're trying to you're trying to change the market, and uh, you're doing so in a way that's that's in reach for everybody. And uh, so, if you're listen to this and you haven't checked out Forlow yet um you're going to see that when you when you go there and if you if you don't see it go look go look at those other companies and you'll see you'll see uh what I'm talking about the price is is uh, more than fair uh, i really feel like the the consumer wins when uh, uh we look at it from the financial side of it so uh all all great points though and, and man, it's so cool to hear the technology that that goes into this. Now the last thing I wanna talk about as far as Forlow specifically goes, and then I wanna get a good hunting story out of you, Andy, so start scanning your brain for uh you're like one of your favorite hunting stories here as we, uh, close this out because people got to know that Andy's legit. You know, he's not just a, not just a a business guy. He likes to spend his time out bushwhacking himself, which by, by the way you described the style you hunt, you and Alex really need to hunt together sometime. Alex likes to just hike up the side of a mountain, no switchbacks, just like climb, you know, straight from point A to point B. But, uh, the, the thing that I wanna talk about, the other part of the whole that you mentioned uh, when we started this is the made in America side of it. Now, I, I said earlier, I work for uh, a prairie farm. That That is because of incredible personal conviction for me that I went into, I, I changed industries. I saw this as, you know, this is something, you know, for instance, here in Iowa, you know, one of the original prairie states. We have less than one percent of our original prairie left. You know, there's there's a major need there. Conservation is very near and dear to my heart, right? It's it's it's, it's a huge part of my life. When I saw that you guys were, you know, the the made in America camouflage uh, gear company, that i was really interested in people might be thinking what what are you talking about what does that have to do with conservation uh no that has everything to do with conservation when you're buying things that are made here in our country you are taking out of that picture so much energy expense that that goes into you know getting this gear shipped all over the planet uh not just you know sometimes things can go back and forth you know on ships and you know from america to you know whatever country where it's made and then back to america or something like that there can be all this other middle stuff that takes place and that costs energy that leads to carbon emissions uh and a lot of that gets taken care of by uh, um, having a made in america model the other thing i really like about it is um that is very much so in line with that. Is it's a local business in a way. Yeah, we don't, you know, I don't live in Whitefish or, or not. I saw you guys have a branch in Austin too, which is cool. Um, but I mean, that's a lot more local than something that is made on the other side of the planet. And it's supporting jobs for people that can, uh, uh you know, pursue their dream of working in the industry by going and working for Forlow. And, uh, I think that's really awesome. What really, like what drove you to that made in America model besides just seeing that, 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 that wasn't being done. Uh,
0: for me, it was never a question. Um, I wanted to prove it. It wasn't easy. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that could not be done in in the U S when we got started, I had to make a huge investment in, uh, machinery and technology and bring it back to the US and retrain a US workforce in in a lot of cases but um when we first started meeting with uh our manufacturing partners in the US and, and talking about this and building prototypes and stuff like that and walking uh factory floors and just stopping and talking to that guy who sews buttons on you know or whatever it might be uh you know, there there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to find a way to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and and do it in the U.S., be different. But, you know, I tell people, I, we didn't get into business to, to put anybody else out of business. We got into business to prove basically two things. One is that you can build uh, at the highest specificity in the U.S. and that you can build these garments here using the latest technologies in the world and so you know we we did that it's something that that fuels the fire behind the product team the marketing team everybody gets behind it to your point it's it's kind of funny because we are we are currently going through a study to see what our carbon savings are uh, hmm. versus the international supply chain but um it's it's a pretty easy comparison when you take you know, ships that are sitting out at port for months, waiting to come in, yeah. and you know, whatever out of out of the component, and then all of you know, a lot of cases, the fabrics and the raw materials aren't made in the country that they're sewn in. So, like, they're shipping to take that to you know, China or wherever, and then China to here or whatever. You know, so like, there's a lot of 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 supply chain shipping that goes on before they even get the finished good. it's mm-hmm. um, a good
1: point. You know, we've
0: we 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 try to quantify what we're supporting um, for from a U.S. worker standpoint, and, and the number is staggering. I mean, it's over three thousand wow. people, I and mean, we have a couple factories of our own, and then we've got a supply chain of of partner factories that we keep going full time, full bore, um, three sixty five. The, the, those factories alone, um, I mean, are are. You know half of that number but then you take uh the ups driver you know and and the truckers that are trucking our fabrics to our cut and sew and and everything else and i mean that number quickly becomes greater than three thousand and and you know it's hard to quantify exactly what it is but i can safely say that we support over three thousand jobs you know that touch our product and they're all fair living wage it's not everything though um and, and i'll tell you why because what I saw, you know, it's a pride factor. Yes. Uh, does it cost a little bit more? Maybe. Um, but these workers know in these cut and sew factories and in these fabric development factories and stuff, they know what they're up against. There's mm-hmm. zero question in their mind that if they don't show up every day and give their, you know, their A game, um that, you know, that their stuff's going to get outsourced. They're going to be out of jobs. Their town's going to shut down yeah. and so on and so forth. And so there is noticeably more uh, uh, um, durability, you know, a better, you get a better product. You notice it in the build, uh, putting it against something else that is not. Um, so, you know, that, that was something that we thought would happen but you know when you start seeing finished product the first time you're like wow this really does happen And then <laughs> you go talk to these people and they're like they realize how important their job is and and stuff and what they're doing is kind of repaving a road that was that was lost and so you know that that's I don't know if I got too far off topic but I mean that that's no. certainly something that that speaks to us uh every day um and <clears throat> it's the right way to do it. So it was just to show the other, you know, folks in this, in this industry or, or anywhere that, Hey, you can do it too. You know? Yeah. Um, I like that. And, you know, to your point, our, our price point is, uh, you know, in, in the same ballpark as everybody else, we do take a, a, a uh, margin hit for that, you know, compared to building it overseas. But uh, to what we talked about earlier, you're getting something that's going to last longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we're seeing now being in business for three years, it's hard to sell that to somebody as a new brand, but we're seeing people come back and buy stuff in other colors. We're seeing people, you know, come back and give us that real world input of like, oh, I've been hammering this stuff in. I cannot destroy it. And like, okay. yeah, well, that's kind of the, the whole idea behind it. Right, so, right um so you will get more life out of something that might cost you a little bit more but you know like i said earlier i don't want it to break down on you when you need it in the field and that that's got to mean something
1: definitely definitely i love that and and i like the part in there where you said you're you're showing everybody else this can be done we can make this model work we can we can uh you know provide jobs for other Americans and what I think is awesome too that I stated earlier I I want to make sure that I was clear here for the listeners there's probably a lot of people maybe even some of you listening in that would love to work within the hunting industry in some capacity and somebody who's providing jobs by being dedicated to this kind of model makes that possible for for uh, other Americans and uh I think that's I think that's awesome, so definitely it's, it's,
0: it's a you know it's a macroeconomic piece too. It's worth mentioning real quick, and then I'll get off the soapbox. But um, I mean, there's been studies done about about buying domestic, and so it's not just about hey, it'll get behind your your country. It actually the residual benefit of that dollar staying in the economy and recycling. Mm. Several times, five, six, seven times. It's that mm-hmm. factory worker that we have that goes out and buys gas, groceries, a car, goes on vacation, stays at a hotel. All these other things that that the folks that we employ directly or indirectly, um, you know, stays inside the economy. And when you buy yeah. something that is offshore, it immediately goes offshore, and that money never comes back. Right. And so, right. If if we as a as a country got behind it more on a macroeconomic scale you would actually see inflation stop you would actually see hmm. a strong economy like you've never seen it before just by proxy of the money itself not bleeding offshore and never coming back yeah. you know so and mm-hmm. but we all got to we all got to do our part somewhere i mean start start with buying some forlo and then we'll we'll work that's on right there
1: that's right well
0: well, well <laughs> yeah.
1: You're literally, you're literally putting your money where your mouth is, and I love that. I think that, I think that is something that's so important. And um, you know, even going on, you know, in a more macro level, outside of the economy, look at a lot of our societal issues that plague us and have plagued us for generations. A lot of it comes back to people not being willing to, to look at what they're doing and say, "Wow, am I really being consistent with what I'm saying? Do how much." am i willing to am i willing to buy into an idea so much that it hurts a little bit and clearly uh you guys are doing that by like you said you know you're you you believe in a model you're willing to take a hit in the margin even a little bit to make that belief come true but it's because you know that the payoff in the long game is going to be worth it and i 100% agree with that so that's pretty honorable andy thanks for doing that man my pleasure What's uh, coming up soon that people can look for from uh, Forlow?
0: No, I can't give you all the secret sauce. That's right. That's uh, right. I, I, I will I will give you, you know, we've got a lot of product coming out. We were able to just launch two backpack systems. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, um, I, I got some laying around here somewhere. But uh, actually, there's one right next to me. Uh, you know that that was revolutionary in itself. Um, really, the only thing out there that's got a fully waterproof, submersible pocket in it. And I don't know if you guys saw me jump in the in the lake to prove it. Um, no,
1: I haven't seen that. yet. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. I, it's on I, my. I,
0: That was on your uh, Instagram, right? Yeah, that was on my Instagram.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I had to prove it
0: somehow. So I just threw (laughs) a bunch of dry clothes in it and jumped in the lake off the back of a boat. Oh,
1: well, (laughs) that's awesome. I'm going to watch that. But, you know, really,
0: like, it's stuff like that. That pack was uh, brought from Special Forces. Actually, the original design they were using in uh, Medivac. um, Hmm. and, And the way that it opens like a clamshell allowed you to Velcro in a bunch of pouches, and boom, you had your whole triage oh, kit awesome. there right and i saw that and i said what can we do to this because this thing's amazing as it is and we started to play around with it and uh and improve it and of course we improved the fabric to make it waterproof and so on so like um so that those just came out i would say look at them look at them quicks so are going super fast so that's our day pack version called the one and then we have the method pack which is uh, a pack that is more your multi-day long trip um pack um, we do I'll tell you guys we we do have some wool coming out, so awesome, it's been, it's been asked and, and in true for low fashion, it's not gonna be anything you even think of. you could sit here all night and ask me, <laughs> is it gonna be this and you will not get it. It is completely different. it is bomb proof, it has stuff in it you've never seen in the industry, and it is extremely exciting um it's just a different look at how. We thought wool should be applied, and uh, I'm going to leave you with that on, on the wool. I'm
1: excited.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, we're racing to try to get that out right now. Um, so, you know, we're, we're it's all cylinders. Everything's, you know, just trying to get it done. We just got done prototyping. We're field, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running it through a lot of the field study stuff and and uh, just kicking it, and we're getting ready for production pretty quick. So, um, we're Fingers crossed trying to get out in the cold weather, October, November timeframe with that.
1: Perfect. Love it. Yeah.
0: And then we've got, we've got some other stuff up our sleeve too, that'll, that'll hit towards the end of the year, um, that, that, uh, you guys will enjoy. I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but it's, it's, it will be the single most expensive thing that we have, but it is, uh, it's next level.
1: And uh, uh
0: all I'll say is a lot of you really cold weather guys are gonna appreciate what we're got coming uh, here pretty quick. So that's
1: awesome. Well Alex he's he's gone up to uh, uh the Arctic Circle to kill a musk ox. So uh he'll he'll definitely be uh checking that gear out. All
0: right. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah, we got some good we got some good um non waterproof uh silent stuff coming out too. So we're racing to try to get some of that stuff out um to market. So those fair weather days, um, you got something that's still durable but but quiet. Um, so yeah, I mean all sorts of stuff, no shortage of uh, me driving my product development team crazy saying, You gotta come out <laughs> with this right now.
1: So that's <laughs> that's exciting. That's, that's Yeah, great. it is exciting for sure and i'm glad to see that that you guys are having fun with it like it's i can tell just by uh having this conversation something you're passionate about and it's cool to see people working within their passion that's when the best stuff happens so that's that's awesome man all right well we can't uh end this one without a good hunting story so uh i mean it could be your all-time best story maybe it's a top three you you get to choose here but we need a good hunting story
0: Quick ones. Um, one, one is hunting has become something completely different to me over the last, uh, three or four years because I have young kids now. Yep. And, uh, and, and I dare say with pride, my son, who is nine, he'll be ten in a, a couple weeks, is a better shot than I. Um, oh man! And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and I've got you know ten thousand more rounds of you know ammo expelled <laughs> than him. But uh, this kid in front of an animal does not get nervous. Does not does follows instruction. Takes his time. If the shot's not good, uh, you know he doesn't take it. And so you know hunting i the, the last hunt i went on with him was on hogs and i didn't even pull the trigger once and uh you know so i just sit back now and enjoy that's what the hunting's kind of become to me as like now the 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 mentor you know yeah. is 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 teaching the you know and, and watching him develop into a uh, a hunter that he is i mean he he had so you know he had an animal and he knows where to shoot him. And, uh, in the, the, you know, we were doing a drive to try to push these animals out of this thick swampy stuff. We were down in Florida and, uh, and it worked out They came right to, towards us though. And I had him on shooting six. He's still pretty small. So holding a gun long in, oh, yeah. you know, standing yeah. position ain't going to work. So the homeboy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like whispering in his ear cause we see him running up straight at us and uh and i'm like getting ready to whisper to him to like you know let him give him a second and boom and and the the lead the lead pig just drops and uh and then the others scatter and he looks up to me and goes i hope you, i hope you're okay i i had a really good shot at his adam's apple and i felt comfortable with it so i took it and i'm like you got to be kidding me we walk up there and he hit him square right and and then you know, right center of the neck, middle. perfect shot, dropped it. Low, <laughs> and, 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 and so I'm like, I'm like, look, and he's like, did I do good? And I'm like, I, I couldn't have done that shot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you did good. <laughs> oh so, man.
0: Um, so there, there was that one. The other, the other one was a crazy one. Um, last year in New Mexico, I was doing a a uh, a mule deer hunt. And it was one of the craziest things that ever happened. I, I, it was the last day of the hunt, typical thing. I ended up, I'm a meat, meat hunter guy. So like sure. if a trophy comes great, I'll, uh, I'll shoot it, but I'm, I'm not going to leave without meat. you know, cause that's the yeah. one. In fact, you know, like I told you when we first got on here, I'm cooking, I'm trying to empty my freezers now. So I got a smorgasbord of wild hog, venison and, and elk chili verde cooking downstairs. That sounds
1: amazing. Uh,
0: yeah. So. Uh, so I shoot this meal deer last day, nothing to be, you know, it's, it's he's not getting mounted. Sure, His antlers will probably be rattlers, you know, there you go. that sort of yeah. thing. And we walk up to this thing and, uh, and I poke it and I turn around to the, uh, to, to the guys that we were out with and I said something funny. And one of the guys just like, he looked like shocked. And I turned around. The deer stood up. Oh, no. Literally ran three feet. I-, I was like six feet away from it. It ran three and died. Jesus. Right Whoa, at me.
1: Whoa. Zombie right deer. at
0: me. <laughs> zombie deer. <laughs> Life for
1: three steps. Whoa. <laughs> Dude, that that's that's stuff. freaky. There's that guys never not- happened. In There's time, guys four. that have been. There's guys that have been killed by that. Like in just the last couple of years, you know, they they go up to the deer and it's down, but it hops up and gores them or something. That is freaky, man. Yeah, <laughs> and all out
0: of all the hunts, being around grizzly bears and all this stuff, you know, I was gonna get I was gonna get done in by this, you know, this <laughs> this, this gear <laughs> that you wouldn't take a picture of and show your buddy.
1: Oh, that's amazing. It <laughs> uh, tastes good though that's oh, right oh you're talking to a couple of meat hunters right now we yeah, yeah. it's fun getting yeah. the trophies for sure but man it's 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 however fun that is however good that feeling is the feeling of uh coming home empty-handed can can almost be worse 100
0: <laughs> 100 just getting, getting stronger ready to get started feeling, I on uh, montana um elk hunting i got a ranch in central montana and uh and uh the animals are pretty active they're super active and so like i'm already eyeballing the small bowl that i can get you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> you know i don't i don't care you know whatever right. i've shot i've shot some big bowls and and stuff and and i i was chasing a big 370 out there last year oh, but man. you know i i was also looking for his five by five little brother so
1: you know sure it's,
0: right it, First man to the job, really, for me, you know, it's, and, and that a lot of that's ingrained for my grandfather who, you know, grew up in a depression era and taught mm. me out of everything I know about hunting. And uh, and he was always like, don't pass up a buck, whatever you do, because like back then it was like they were shooting to feed the family.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah.
0: And and I remember passing one up before and he was just like, I got yelled at for half a season after that. <laughs> kind of staying ingrained in me, like, you know bird in hand is better than none at all or whatever that saying is yep
1: yep that's that's for sure i can't can't blame you at all for that i think that's a good way to hunt and you know what? It's a good way to hunt however anybody wants to hunt just get out there and hunt and uh, do so with the best gear on the market as we've just heard the most innovative and really not just innovative inventive you guys are coming up with stuff that hasn't even been done i mean that is that is fantastic and um, all at an affordable price point all made in America you uh, are choosing conservation as far as I'm concerned you're choosing however you want to say environmentalism I don't know but you're choosing that when you uh, choose to keep your dollars here in America cut down on that, that carbon footprint and come away with some gear that's going to last you for for decades I mean really it's it, it's it's that kind of quality I know because I'm wearing some At this very moment. (laughs) And uh, don't forget to uh, follow Forlo. You can follow him on Instagram as I do. Uh, Follow Andy on Instagram. Andy, you want to share those handles real quick and then then the uh, website as well? Sure.
0: Yeah. So uh, on Instagram, we're Forlo underscore official. I'm just Andy Techmanski. I I probably post stuff I shouldn't because you get a lot of sneak peeks of, of stuff that hasn't come to market yet um and uh we're at forlow dot com f o r l o h dot com and you can come see us in person either at our whitefish montana flagship store headquarters or austin texas and we've got at any given time we've got uh this year we've had at least two at any given time road shows out at the you know tax oh, nice. shows and And all the big outdoor shows and everything else. So um, we're going to keep expanding on that. We're going to do a lot of grassroots, like, driving around and, like, literally meeting one customer at a time as we go.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, come out to the Iowa Deer Classic next year. It's a big deal. And uh, love to to see you guys there. But, um, yeah, make sure you follow along at those places. Uh, By the way, Forlo, I think I know what it means. Somebody listening is probably like, what does that even mean, Forlo? For the love of the hunt, right? for the love of hunting. Oh, it's close. And, it,
0: yeah. <laughs> and look, it it, it it means a little bit more than that. So it's, you know, for and look, th- this this name plagued me for 4 months. And every time I thought I had a name figured out, I'd wake up 4 a.m., I'd be like, yeah, "I got it." And I'd immediately grab my phone and Google it and it'd be like some school in Japan. I'd be like, "Ah." <laughs> 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 I can't use that, you know, so then I <laughs> And <laughs> Forlow actually came to me again. Another four a.m. kind of like I got to come up with a name for this or whatever. No, it just came to me. I started playing around with acronyms and For uh, Love of Hunting, and you know, but it means more than that. It it means more than just hunting in the physical sense. It it means you know hunting for your next adventure, hunting mm-hmm. for that next trail, that next mountain bike trip, that next ski trail that next hunting in its physical sense if you're a scuba diver you're hunting for that that hole or a fisherman hunting for that fishing hole so it's you know the what we built the company around is to be with you guys and girls and kids by the way full full suite of men's women and youth
1: Um, that's right
0: you know 365 days a year that's why we came out so hard with upf sun shirts and, and shorts and those pants you're wearing and everything else was to be you know beyond hunting um, to be with you year round on all your adventures.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, that's very well said. And, uh, Make sure you uh, follow along with Forlo, as I was just saying, at the places there. You'll find their links in the show notes. Be sure to also follow along with Alex from East to West Hunts. Remember, the promo code FIRSTGEN10 will save you 10% off. And Alex has pretty much nothing to do right now but uh, heal and plan hunts. So you need to get on board with Alex. Give him something to do. Give him him something to, like, take his mind off the paint. Do it for Alex. Help him out. And uh, go there. And save yourself that 10% again with the code FIRSTGEN10. And uh, you can put yourself into a pair of Forlo uh, hunting gear. Go to, uh, if you don't go to those other places, you can find a link in my Instagram bio. Go to my link tree. just be right there. Uh, click on it. Get over there, get yourself all geared up and uh, ready for this upcoming hunting season, which is very, very soon. This morning when I pulled onto the prairie uh, to get going with my morning uh, work, I uh, sent about 100 doves flying into the air. The dove migration is on, people. That means hunting season is going to kick off officially here in less than a month. And uh, then it'll be the big game stuff, too, uh, quickly after that. And uh, you need to be shooting your bow, sighting your rifle, but also getting your gear lined up. And forlow is the place to do that. So get ready to go here. And uh, you know the usual. Take care and take someone hunting.